Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another segment here, which is going to be packed full of wisdom nuggets with my special guest, Deborah Covell Fletcher. And let me tell you a little bit more about Deborah. Deborah Covell Fletcher is an adult educator, author, speaker, and mom of twin daughters. She also works as a realtor, which supports her obsession with snooping through other people's homes. As a busy mom and advocate for her daughters who lives with multiple disabilities, Deb found the time to jot down stories, lessons learned, and inadvertent observations, most of which found their way into finding your hey. In Deb, in Deb's first free time, she gardens, dances like everybody's watching, and chases the ice cream truck down the street. So, without further ado, the woman behind it all, Miss Deborah Covell Fletcher. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming on here, Deborah. I hope I did your bio some justice. And before we dive in to our topic, which we're going to talk about grief, we're going to talk about how did you overcome the challenge of grief, as well as having a resilient mindset. I want to give the audience a chance to connect with you on a personal level so they know you a little bit more. And I like to do that one or two ways. Are you familiar with those ways or should I tell you? You go ahead. So the first way is via an icebreaker, or the second option is a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? I love them both. I love them both. Well, let's go rapid fire because then we'll get to know you in 10 questions in a sense. So we're playing rapid fire with Genesis and Deborah. Do, 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 do. Question number one, if you can hop in a time machine and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be and why? It would be to appreciate all of the wonderful things that are happening around me. Question two, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person past or present, who would it be? It would be, um, oh, I had thought about this too. It would probably be with um, my grandmother. Question three, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Flying. Question four, coffee or tea? Coffee. Question five, favorite food? pizza six dream home or dream car or both (laughs) home Ooh, do you have an image of what your dream home looks like it has a lot of different little rooms I know that open concept is something that's really popular right now but I like lots and lots of little rooms 
question seven. You just hit the lottery. Cha-ching! However, there is a kicker. You must donate to three charities before you get the rest of your money. So what charities are you contributing to? Sick Kids Hospital here in Toronto. It's a hospital for, for children that need medical care. Bloorview, Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Center. So this is a, a rehab center for kids with special needs brain injuries, recovering from trauma, that kind of thing. And then the Canadian Cancer Society. Love it. Question eight, are you originally from Canada? Yes. What part of Canada? From Ontario. Oh, okay. So, okay, this is a wild card question. So do you say process or process? Because I have some Canadian friends. I'm, I usually say process. Okay. <laughs> Cause that's how I could always tell like a Canadian. Cause I have a friend from New Newfoundland and he's like process. And I just love the way he says that. <laughs> Question nine. You just want an all expense paid getaway. Your family can come. There is no limit to the amount of money that can be spent. Here is the caveat, though. They aren't flying back to Canada for some time. So where are you heading? Heading to Paris. Ooh, the city of love. Hopefully it's, the, it's still the city of love. <laughs> question number 10. It's our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I'm going to pass. Okay, lay it on me. What's your question? My question is, if you could wish for anything for your um, the new member of your family, um, what would it be? Oh, hands down to have my dad back because he passed in 2020 due to medical negligence and he was the best grandpa. And I literally still feel a bit selfish versus selfless because he spent time with my brother's kids, my sister's kids, and he won't be here to spend time with the newest member of my family. So I just wish that he were here so she could meet her papa or grandpa or whatever term he prefers her to call <laughs> her. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Thank you for asking. So now we're going to segue into grief because everyone's grief journey is different. And whenever you go through grief, it can either cause you to spiral up where you overcome that grief fast or you could spiral down because you feel like you don't have an outlet which can play into your mindset and until you realize what mindset you are you're not going to be able to overcome those challenges or really have that re resilience until you come to terms with it and get out of that denial phase so Deborah walk us through your personal stance with grief like what did that look like for you so I gave birth to my daughters almost 23 years ago. 
and I was happy as a clam. I had, they were my first babies. So I was anticipating having two little girls running around and for it to be just tons of fun. And it was, but the catch was that one of my daughters experienced a brain injury during the birth. And so that resulted in cerebral palsy, which is a motor development brain injury. It's uh, usually involves a number of different areas of the body. So it's a neurological disorder. Um, she has, she's somewhat visually impaired as well. So she has no fine motor, no gross motor skills. She can't walk. She can't talk. She can't eat. She eats through a G-tube in her stomach. And she is, um, she's just a, a wonderful human being. So she, I had identical twins and she is very different from her sister because of her disabilities and multiple disabilities. She's also developmentally delayed somewhat. And she has just been um, a bit of a handful, but pure joy as well. So as you can imagine, the grief started when we got the diagnosis, which was when they were about three and a half weeks old. And it was tremendous. I mean, it was a shock to both of us, to her dad and I. And we were really, we just didn't know really what to think, how to feel, how to deal with it. And for the first six months of their lives, we didn't tell anybody because we didn't have a definitive uh, diagnosis yet, for one thing. They, they were premature and, and premature infants have an ultrasound on their brains. Here where I live, uh, at a certain point after they're born and the ultrasound showed that she had the damage to her brain. We didn't know at that time what the extent of the damage would be and, and how that would impact her. So we were devastated, but we didn't really understand the scope of her disability. At six months, they got, uh, they got assessed by a doctor who told us at that point that she would be severely disabled. And he said to us at that time, he was really old. And I'm saying that because I think doctors now know better than to say this, but he said she will have a very poor quality of life. Yeah. And so that was devastating to her dad and I. And, you know, we left the doctor's office and our babies were six months old. So we were trying to keep up this sort of happy, oh, oh isn't this fun? We're, let's go for a car ride. And, and we were just sort of in shock. And then that night we talked about it and said, you know what? Her life is going to be anything but poor quality. And so we made it our mission to give them both the best life that we could. And she's experienced everything that her sister has. And it's just, you know, we've, we've really focused on sort of the joy and the happiness of it. So we still had to deal with what was going on inside of ourselves. 
once we had that definitive and very, very negative and devastating um, diagnosis, we then started to tell our friends and family because before that time, we, we didn't know the extent of, of, you know, we thought maybe she'll be mildly disabled, maybe she'll have a limp, you know, or, but no, she is in a wheelchair. She literally, I have to dress her, bathe her, brush her teeth. We do everything for her. She's incontinent, so she's wearing diapers. So, I mean, we didn't know that at the beginning. And it's almost like if I had known that, I would have been, I think I would have been more impacted than I was. But because they said, you know, she's going to be disabled, we don't know exactly what that will involve. We had time to get used to it. So we actually didn't know that she would never speak until she was about two years old. You know, didn't know that she'd be in diapers forever, probably till she was about three or four. So I called it the grief that keeps on giving because it was just, we just kept, you know, sort of building. And wow. yeah, I, so I, I mean, I say that and I laugh, but obviously it was, it was really difficult at the time. And thank you for sharing that, Deborah, because just hearing it, like, I'm just over here, like my facial expressions, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, and I just cannot believe that the doctor said something just so cruel and just the demeanor and the way he said it, there was, there could have been another way that he could have cleaned it up and relayed that information to you and her dad without coming out so blunt, but I guess sometimes doctors feel like they just need to shoot straight from the hip and be blunt versus beating around the bush, but you just never know someone's mental state or their mindset whenever it comes to their children, because let's be honest, like a mother will tear up somebody and get down in the grass and roll around if you do anything to um, their child. And I want to ask, you mentioned that she came out with a traumatic brain injury. How did that brain injury occurred? Was it in the womb? Was it during the delivery process? Or what was the root cause of that? Just to help us connect the dots there. Yeah, we don't really know. Sometimes cerebral palsy can happen. Uh, you know, they there are many sources, and and I'm I I I apologize. I'm not going to be sort of um, completely factually accurate here, there can be um, conditions that happen in the womb. There can be, um, you know, illnesses that, that an unborn baby might get. There can also be a brain injury that results when the brain is deprived of oxygen. Mm. So you typically hear that, you know, circumstances like the cord, the umbilical cord was wrapped around their neck and cutting off the the supply of oxygen, um, those kinds of things. So we're not really sure. We we know that she was the second baby to be delivered, and and when and she was in a breech position. So when she was um, when when I pushed her out, she. Um, actually a doctor reached in and it was a resident it was not because it was a teaching hospital and the resident reached in and pulled her foot out and then something something drew her back into the birth canal so the resident lost her grip on her foot 
and she went back in. So, I mean, that, that suggests that perhaps the umbilical cord was, you know, wrapped around her and brought her back in. Again, we don't really know and we'll never know. So all we do know is that when she was finally delivered, um, she was a little bit blue. She needed some, a little bit of help to get her breathing. And, and um, they, they knew right away that, that I know that they knew right away. They didn't say anything right away, but when I look back and um, I realized that, that they knew that she had probably suffered some sort of injury, but wow. nothing was said at the time. Right. And and, you know, that's to protect themselves. And it's also to uh, protect the parents because they they had no proof or, um, you know, no evidence yet. There was no sort of um, diagnosis at that point. So that's why we didn't find out until she, they were three weeks old. And thank you for just bringing that to the forefront, because for any mother that is listening that may have a child with cerebral palsy or that is going through something of having a traumatic pregnancy or birthing process, this can definitely bring inspiration and hope to that mother because you're not alone. There's different people, whether they're in your neck of the woods or across the pond that is going through something and grief hits us all differently. And you mentioned the grief just kept on um going and just adding on and so you had a child who has special needs and then you have one who is fine and I'm sure that your other daughter may have felt like I'm not getting as much attention as my sister not realizing how much her sister needed your help and their dad's help and sometimes that can also add on to the layers of grief and stress. So what did your support system look like whenever you came to the terms and you came to grips with this and you and their dad, because I'm not sure if y'all are still married, so I don't want to say husband. Um, We're not. Okay. (laughs) What did that look like when you broke the news to your family members and friends? Because if somebody is not going through something similar, they may interject their viewpoints on when in actuality it's not helping and it could really trigger you right right it's um yeah so we were we were very lucky we had uh my um my parents would visit they lived about an hour away and they would come and spend one day a week with me to help me and my sister and her husband were very helpful as well. Um, my ex-husband's mother was wonderful. She was there all the time as well. And we also had friends uh, that helped out. One of my girlfriend's moms, she would come one day a week. And it was mainly because I had two of them. So I had two and my daughter Quinn, who has special needs was, she just was not a happy baby. And I think she was having a difficult time and didn't really understand what was going on with herself. So she cried a lot. I needed to hold her every second of the day, but I had two babies and you're quite right that, that Emma, her sister would have felt somewhat left out 
it's funny though, because it's all she ever knew, she just kind of thought that, oh, this is how life is. You know, my parents hold my sister and they don't necessarily hold me. And so she has, I mean, they're almost 23 now. And so she's gone through a lot in her life and come out knowing and understanding and having a lot of empathy for her sister and for her parents. We're very lucky that that she was able to do that. And she's actually in teacher's college right now. She wants to be a teacher and work with kids that are, have special needs like her sister. And that's really, I mean, it's, it's what she's comfortable with and it's, it's, you know, pretty much all she's ever known. Um, so she has come through it, but you're right. There was a lot of worry on my part about how this would impact her. Yeah. And just hearing you talk about it and Emma, it's kind of bringing me tears because when I was in high school, I was a pal. So peer assistant leadership supervision is what we have in the States. And I would work with the special needs and I have a big heart for special needs to the point where I would even volunteer with some of the group homes and different stuff because sometimes the parents need a break because it is overwhelming and you just never know what that parent is going through because they have so many other things going on and just to try to you know, be there for their child and no one really understands or they can't necessarily go on the date nights because they don't, they can't find a babysitter that can really manage all of the things or their family members is busy. It's like they feel burnt out. And I think that's important to talk about mindset. So you and your ex-husband, like, even though you had that support system, which was phenomenal because some parents never get that. How did you also build up the resilient to just shift your mindset whenever you realize, okay, things are not going to change. And this is what it is because we can have hope, we can have faith and we could go and things can turn around. Like, believe me, you know, the doctors are not always right and things can change. And you could say my baby defied the odds. But when you came to the point where you didn't see that happening, what was your anchor to really help you with your mindset? Well, yes. So both he and I have, um, you know, we, we, we really looked at it with our focus on them. You know, as I said, we wanted to make sure that they had a great life. And by great life, I don't mean, you know, going to Disneyland. I mean, that they had parents who cared about them and, and spent time with them. And so we really both focused on that. And, you know, when, when you're, when you're grieving, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's not that we were, you know, that it was sort of constant. It, it, grief is something that, I find that you just learn to carry with you. You know, you never sort of get over it. It never goes away. And, you know, I know you've experienced grief as well. And we just sort of, it's almost like we build up our other emotional muscles, you know, in order to carry it. And so with our particular grief, we just had so much joy in, in giving them you know, this wonderful, this, you know, very simple, but very wonderful life that we were, that we were providing for them. 
and they were bringing us a lot of joy as well. I mean, they've both got, you know, really funny personalities. And so we, a lot of how we coped was with humor. And so we managed to find the funny in just everyday circumstances. And, you know, with twins and diapers and all kinds of things, there's a lot of funny circumstances that can happen. And so we really focused on what would make us laugh, what would make us smile. And that was something that I've continued to practice for, for all of these years. And I really learned it from my own father who he, um, he inspired me. He had a heart attack and a stroke at age 46. And he, he survived, but he was unable to work again. And I mean, at 46, it's pretty young. He had to go on a long-term disability insurance program, but he faced every day with positivity and with a sense of humor. And so that was many, many years before I had my daughters, but that was an inspiration for me because what I realized is that you can choose your attitude. You know, you can choose how you face each day. So one little example was when I encountered perfectly healthy sets of twins in those first few years. So, you know, I would be walking down the street with my double stroller, pushing my double stroller down the street, and I would see another double stroller coming towards me. And I would always look, of course. And a lot of times it was just siblings. So a one-year-old and a three-year-old, you know, sitting side by side. But if it was a set of twins, and this is when the girls are young. So I would take out this imaginary knife and hold it here, you know, and just plunge it. If it was a set of girl twins, I would just plunge that knife right into my heart. And I just would be devastated walking down the street. So it's almost like, you know, when you've got a sore tooth and you poke it with your tongue, you know, we choose to do that to ourselves. So one day they were about three or four years old and um, yeah, maybe about three because they were, they were both still on the stroller walking down the street and I see a double stroller coming towards me. And this voice in my head said, just don't look. You know, just simply don't look at the other stroller. And so I didn't look and the stroller passed me. Now there could have been a set of perfectly healthy, identical twin girls in there. There could have been just siblings and I didn't know and it didn't matter. So there was no knife, there was no pain. And what I realized in that moment, and I remember smiling and even laughing out loud, and I realized that it was my choice. It was my choice to look to see if there was something painful approaching. And so, you know, it's not denial exactly. <laughs> it might sound a little bit like it, but, but it's more about, I mean, I call it choice, you know? So there are a lot of those moments for anyone. And we can choose how we how we focus and, and, and what we think about, you know? So I, I think about my dad and, and what he would have chosen to focus on, 
You know, he had to quit his job. All his friends were still working. He just had to sit at home all day, every day, knowing that his brain wasn't functioning as it was supposed to, you know, with the stroke. And yet he chose to focus on, on his family and on, on things that brought him joy, you know, and he lived to be 82 years old and, and he actually passed away in 2020 as well. Same as your dad. Wow. Yeah. So he lived that long and, and just before he died, um, he said, I'm so happy. I have led a joyful, wonderful life. And he went with complete peace. And um, it was actually a really beautiful death that he had. We were very fortunate. So he was able to, to pass away at home and, and with all of us there holding him. And so he, he even said at that time, you know, not wanting to leave, but still, still, you know, um, telling us all that, that, you know, that was, that had been his choice was to focus on the positive. And so that really is my inspiration. And, and so I, you know, over the past 23, um, almost 23 years, I have been focusing on the positive aspects. And I know that that sounds, you know, a little bit, um, um, you know, I mean, it sounds like I'm just sort of glossing over anything that could cause pain or hardship, but it's more about acknowledging pain and acknowledging those hardships and understanding that with that also comes the moments of joy and the moments of happiness, you know, because that's our lives are so rich, but they're rich with all different emotions throughout our lives. Wow. And thank you for sharing that, um, Deborah. And it's like you focus on what you, um, you focus on your control, you control, you can control your emotion, you can control your, your thoughts, and you can control your actions. And that's what helped you. And then humor was one of your vices, because, you know, laughter helps release those endorphins. And it really creates that warm and fuzzy feeling, even though, you know, you're going through something, a smile can brighten you up on the outside as well as the inside. So just thank you for sharing um, the journey about your twins and being vulnerable. And I'm going to jump into the call to action. But before I do, just one last question before we segue into that. Did you ever want more, more children after having your twin girls? I did, but, uh, but we had, a, we had our hands full. And, um, and so my ex-husband didn't want more. I would have had about five, but you know. Awesome. Now let's jump into the call to action. What do you want the audience to walk away from? We hit on grief. We hit on you using your humor. We hit on you having a right mindset and really not acting on, you know, the choice to look, but really listening to that still small voice and not looking which helped you. We talked about a lot here and it has been an emotional segment because I did not know that I was going to shed some, some tears, but whenever you just shared that, it just brought back into remembrance um, what I, what I did in high school and how I saw some of the parents 
and it was just a relief. So share your call to action for our audience. Well, it's, it's my call to action as well. And so just that understanding that difficulties and challenges and disappointments are always going to befall us. But knowing that we have it within ourselves to get up, dust ourselves off and carry on with that knowledge that we're okay, we're loved. And having that attitude of, of accepting those hardships and like you say, that mindset and, and controlling our emotions with our, with our thoughts. And it's not that we don't grieve and it's not that we don't have negative thoughts, but we look at life as this roller coaster adventure that we're, that we're all on. And it's not supposed to be sort of getting to a place where you live happily ever after. It's just a, we're all just here you know, enjoying what we can in, in small chunks of time. And Deborah, how can our audience connect with you via your website? And where do you primarily hang out on social media? Mostly on Instagram. So it's, um, it's my main place of, of social, social media connection. I have my book, Finding Your Hay. And the associated website, so my website is, is my name, DebraCavell.com. And um, yeah, so there's, there's opportunity on my website and through reading my book and interacting with me over social media. Amazing. And is your social media handle on Instagram, is it at DebraCovellFletcher or is it at Finding Your Hay? What it, what's your handle? It's at Deborah L. Covell. Deborah L. Covell. And if they go to your website, they could, they could backlink to your Instagram, right? Absolutely. Amazing. And Deborah, I want to thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your story about um, your grief journey, your daughters, and etc. Audience, all of Deborah's contact information will be in the show notes. Just click on her website and you can backlink to her social media platform. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see the video component of this recording on our YouTube channel by going to at gems with genesis amaris kemp and lastly but not least i want to thank each one of you for tuning in on a regular and consistent basis because of you we're now ranked in the top two percent globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com and a big ask for me is looking for brand sponsors space is limited but you can find out more info by heading on over to genesis amaris kemp net and clicking on that podcast tab. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel. Gems with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor 
So please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.